Welcome to Brainwave Science Radio. Here's your hosts, Craig and Pete. Did King Philip cry out for goodness sake? Didn't know Popeye's chicken offered free gizzard strips. Do kangaroos prefer the cake or the frosting, generally speaking? <laughs> Do kings play chess of family games seriously? Do kings play chess on Fridays, generally speaking? Do koalas prefer chocolate or fruit, generally speaking? There's a thing they keep saying. Dr. <laughs> King preached courageously on freaking giant snakes. <laughs> Dumb kids paint crack on freeway get stoned. <laughs> Dumb kids playing cards on freeway get smashed. Dumb King Philip could not find green socks. That not is you forget <laughs> the N. You only look at the O in not. Kevin's poor cow only feels good sometimes. <laughs> That's good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> that is D K P C O F G S is what we were going for with all those lists. And those stand for domain, kingdom, phylum, class, order, family. Genus and species. So we're talking about taxonomy. We're going from the biggest group of life. Well, I guess the biggest group of life is living things versus not living things. So like living things metabolize and reproduce and do all those things. Um, non-living things are minerals and You were going to say rocks. And and say rock. Rocks. Rocks. They're it's, rocks. They can be pets, but not good ones. Only when painted. <laughs> Did you ever have a pet rock? No. No, you never. I, I had a rock collection. Okay, uh, that's cooler. I definitely collected a lot of rocks. We got boxes of rocks from like Alaska and Florida, and like all over the place. Because I would just grab them, put them in my pockets, and I still do. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, biggest biggest category you can get is life versus non-life. Down to the smallest smallest category you can get um, is species. Well, I guess if you go smaller, you can get to the individual. You know, like the single. Like there is only the you. You're a special special classification of life. The the you. The you. (laughs) The you and the me. Back in the day, old old Greeky times, they would classify things as animate or inanimate. So it was like if it moved, it was it was living, Uh, and if it didn't move, it wasn't. Uh, and then that that meant that they would classify things like trees as like a non living thing because as far as they were concerned, they weren't running around eating things. It's we not run around and eat things. Yeah. We're alive. Mm-hmm. That tree over there kind of stays the same for a very long time. And then many years later, uh, a man named Carl Linnaeus, uh, which I think was Dutch, because uh, that's not how his name was not Carl. It was when you say it in his language, it's, it's not Carl. Not I can't pronounce. We're gonna it. stick with Carl. Yeah. So he he was a guy who first uh, decided to take a scientific approach to classification of living things. And his grand scheme was two classes, and they were flora and fauna, words we still use today often. Pretty commonly. Yeah. Yeah, you go to a new place, got to see the flora and fauna, eat the flora and fauna. So that's plants versus animals. Basically, does it move or is it sessile? Does it just stick there? So all the trees, all the grasses, all the flowers, all the mushrooms, all of the lichen and algae and all the shit that doesn't move. Versus your your charismatic megafauna, which your big lively bears and tigers and things with arms and legs, the army the leggies, cool stuff, the army the cool leggies. Stuff. <laughs> so that was the two general things. Everything that was alive was one or the other, and then you still ran into all those exceptions because if you thought of things like sponges. He would have looked at a sponge and go... Uh, that's flora. Yeah, first of all, is it alive would have been a hard thing to figure out <laughs> back then. Um, but then if they did know it was living, they would have to say, that's probably a plant. Uh, because it doesn't do any of the things that animals do. But now we know that a sponge is an animal, uh, which is still hard to believe. Rock on, sponges. Yeah. I believe in you. <laughs> You're in the cool kids club. So it's good that uh, people have kept changing and evolving how and why we classify things. And uh, it's only gotten more complicated and subdivided as time goes on, but it more accurately represents... Uh, reality. Rea- reality is complicated and subdivided and strange. So we should lay it out here. Basically everything we're saying will be pretty argued upon. Um, all of these distinctions and classes and classifications are arbitrary. 
They are all people saying, I think that those things are more like those things than they are like those things. It really just is people grouping stuff. And while the names we put on things are important, they help how we see them, how we study them, how we talk about them, it doesn't change what they are. A tree doesn't care whether we call it an elm or an oak. It is what it is. But in order for us to have clear communication within each other, within the scientific community, and within the public, we should agree on some things. And so this whole idea of taxonomy is an attempt to, to agree on what is more similar or less similar to each other so we can get a more accurate picture of the world, of the universe, of life. There was a good Louis C.K. bit when he was like, when he was saying that, it was like, it only matters to like three scientists. It's like if we looked at all seals and he's like, if someone said, oh, all seals and, and penguins and like, why not like, uh, like dolphins, they're all just penguins now. He's like, I'd be okay with that. It's like, it does not matter to me at all. It does not affect my daily life. Uh, like you said, they're human constructs. They're invisible lines in the sand that on a grand scheme don't really matter, but uh, it's something to argue about, and people like to argue. People inherently want to group things. We want to classify stuff. That's why racism is a thing. We want to say that those people and us, those people and them. We really want to build categories. It's how our brain is built is to recognize patterns. We're going to go down the list from domain being the most broad category all the way down to species, and we are going to talk about a few examples for each level. And I would first like to talk about the difference between lumpers and splitters, because when, when we're talking about taxonomy, generally when you're talking about these scientists, there are groups of scientists that would like to subdivide and make more categories, more subdivisions. That's where you get things like orders, then you get your super orders and your suborders. And your infraorders. And, yeah, and your subspecies and all that stuff. So they're the splitters. They, they want like to split hairs. They yeah. want to argue like, well, those ones all have black toes and those all ones have white toes. They should be something different, damn it. And they get fussy about it. And then you have your lumpers. Which are people saying that we should start, you know, sticking these things together. We shouldn't really care about, like, subspecies because they can hybridize and interbreed with each other. It's like, well, if they can breed with each other, then they're the same species because that's the definition of a species. Is uh, the difference between one species and another is that they can't successfully breed with each other. Sometimes we get to point things where, like, tigers and lions can have a, a liger. And but in like a hardcore grouper, grouper, what is lumper? lumper? Hardcore lumper would say, you know, they're pretty close. We should call them the same species. But yeah, you're right. That that's different because we talk about like donkeys and mules making. Uh, so it? you're only genetically successful. You're only successful in terms of natural selection if you can have grandchildren. If you and your weirdo like horse and donkey mating have a mule, that's awesome. Good for you. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> but that mule can't then have uh, have a mule baby. That mule is sterile. So that means your line is effectively dead. So who cares about that one mule? We're looking we're looking long term, baby. We're trying to go go deep time with how long your gene pool can stay alive. Yeah, natural selection doesn't like dead ends. Nah, it makes a lot of them. Makes a lot of them. You gotta try. You gotta you gotta see what what spaghetti sticks. What sticks to the wall? So there are lumpers and splitters. There are people that like to incessantly subdivide things and then there are people that think we should just glom it all together and it's all happy-go-lucky make bigger and bigger categories so the biggest category is a pretty recent category so the biggest category now recognized by the scientific community is the domain so it used to be that the top the biggest widest biggest picture you ever got was kingdoms but now we realize like ah there's some pretty big differences here um so in domains you have what we are, the eukaryotes, so things that have a nucleus, they have uh, membrane-bound organelles, and then you've got stuff like bacteria, which do not. And then the other major group is the archaea, which are kind of like bacteria, they're also single-celled, but they have a lot of different uh, characteristics there. They can withstand crazy heats and pHs. Um, yeah, the one I like to think about is they discovered an archaea that lives in solid uh, salt. Whoa. So there's some, there are some that they found like miles down in rocks and they'll just live in solid rock. That's ridiculous. And they eke out a living being very extreme. <laughs> and there's some, did you say that some live in uh, hot springs? Because that was important for like PCR is, uh, is because of those hot spring uh, archaea. So there are some that live in very strange places that are very alien to us. 
all things like that, all single-celled things, used to be called Monera, uh, which is something they don't teach anymore. I never learned it that way. Only only looking back at old textbooks and, uh, and old information do I read about Monera. I never learned it that way, but I've had lots of teachers say, I was taught mm-hmm. about Monera. Mm-hmm. Like, this is how we used to call them. Um, so basically, was it multicellular? Was it big enough to, to see and studied in, like, old world biology? Then great, that's awesome. If it's too small, if it's single-celled, put them all together. Like, they're obviously one thing. They're single-celled. So we now know that there are further subdivisions within that. You got bacteria, archaea, and then single-celled eukaryotes. Um, so our picture, our model of the natural more world is getting more complicated. It's not just plant or animal. Now we have Monera, which is all single-celled things. Let's just lump them all together. But now we know that some of them became us. Some of them definitely didn't. And they're very different from each other. 2016. 2016. Happy New Year! <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. Oh, man. So of the, of the three recognized domains, archaea, bacteria, eukaryotes, we are a eukaryote. So all of our cells have nuclei. So the thing that we do differently from bacteria and archaea is we sequester our genetic information into a nucleus. We protect it with a super sweet organelle, and we got those sweet bouncers, which are like proteins that let things in and out, and it's better. I don't want to say better, but it is a way to store more genetic information and have a more complex I'd say better. I'm better than bacteria. What are they going to do to me? (laughs) Come and get me, bacteria. You'll die from infection. They'll kill you all the time. (laughs) MRSA ain't nothing but a thing. So within eukaryotes, um, so that's the domain level, we drop down to the kingdom level. Um, So within the kingdoms of of, uh, eukaryotes, we've got stuff like the protists, we've got stuff like the plants, fungi, and animals. So plants we all know and love. Yeah, that's most of what we eat. Fungi, we can talk about, are closer, more related to animals than they are to plants, um, which, like, even if you talk to people, you know, any cook would know that. If you don't have enough meat and you're trying to make something taste meaty, use some mushrooms, The you good dummy. umami flavor. Good, good umami. Lots of, lots of protein. I was reading through an old uh, biology textbook. It was my father's from back in the day. He went to school in the 80s. And uh, this book... Uh, the biology book was talking about funguses, fungi, and it said that fungi were considered uh, plants that do not photosynthesize. So that's what it said in this high school textbook uh, in the 80s. That's how they were considered. So like a fungus is a plant that doesn't photosynthesize. Otherwise, it's a plant. Uh, and that was a weird, weird thing to say because even then, there were mycologists who totally knew that was false. But that was just what was in a textbook because the textbooks take a long time to you know, write and get all the information together and then to and process, sell. and then it's hard to change them. And especially, you know, 40 years ago, it was even harder to do. And it's hard to get teachers to change the way they teach things. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like, probably a lot of what we're saying is out today compared to the specialists. Yeah, that should be a disclaimer at the beginning of this, is that a lot of the things we're going to talk about is debated and will probably be so, proven wrong. The half-life of these facts uh, are shorter than a lot of other half-lifes. But my bet is knowing these facts is better than uh, than where a lot of people are at, you know? Like oh, definitely. You're closer, closer to where we really are. Mm-hmm. This gives you, if anything, context. Again, why the internet should have a universal uh, date stamp. So when you future robots are listening to this, you can know uh, we were full of shit. But it was only because we are in 2015. Things that are single-cell organisms that are um, that still have a nucleus that are eukaryotes yeah so that would be things like uh, like amoebas uh, um, there, I don't really know any anymore off the top of my head a lot of algae are uh, are protists but we're an animal uh, believe it or not imagine that so that's our kingdom of animals so an animal is motile which means it can move around uh, it's not sessile so that kind of really goes back to the core of flora versus fauna can you move around uh, they're multicellular, which is uh, a thing we talked about. Um, so the protists being uni- uh, single cellular. Something I thought was interesting uh, that I read about about what defines an animal is eventually their body plan becomes fixed. So some go through metamorphosis, but they eventually land on you know a stable um, body body plan. And we're all heterotrophs, so we're not plants. Plants can take in the sun and go om nom 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 nom, turn into sugar. Sugar photosynthesis is amazing. We can't do that. We have to eat other stuff to stay alive. 
So the fact that we need to consume, whether it's other animals or plants, we can't make our own energy. We have to ingest it from something else. And that's a core of what it means to be human, which is why uh, I'm going to go ahead and eat that cheeseburger. Thank you. I'm an animal. Too bad we don't have a cheeseburger here, though. I would love a cheeseburger. <laughs> Five guys? You want to go? We could go. I don't think we have time. Product placement. This episode was not supported by was Five Guys. Was not Britain. brought to you by. <laughs> but if Five Guys, if you want to send us uh, some money. So you have anything else to say about Animalia? The kingdom of animals? No, let's go a level deeper. <laughs> bloop, 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 bloop. So under the kingdoms are the phylums. Um, so there are a lot of them. There's a lot of phylums of animals. Yeah, uh, there are 35. It's debated because what is the definition of a phylum uh, is still kind of up for debate. And then what are they called is also uh, argued. Give or take, there's 35 um, phylums of animals. And we're not going to list them all because a lot of them and most of them are different phylums of worms that are hard to pronounce. But a lot of them are worms. <laughs> so what are some phylums that we have? So the ones like so... Uh, Peter and I both took a uh, an invertebrate zoology class, and uh, the rundown for that was starting with sponges. Uh, you're familiar with sponges, uh, like SpongeBob SquarePants. Um, <laughs> unlike less... SpongeBob, uh, they don't talk. They don't have teeth. They don't have eyes. They don't work at a no nose. Fry, no fry digestive system. Strong. Yeah, they're terrible cooks. Terrible cooks. Um, They're used in cooking <laughs> for cleaning the dishes. <laughs> So the sponginess is this weird protein, and there's a bunch of cells living in the sponginess, and uh, they, they each have their own you know, individual mouths. So that's a weird exception, but something had to be the first animal. You had to draw that line somewhere, and that's where we drew it, because sponges are closer to animals than anything else. Uh, then you have stuff like jellyfish. Um, I got that. Uh, Tinophores, right? Or Nidarians. Nidarians. Ah, I got it backwards. Nidarians, because they got the stinging cells. I'm sorry, Dr. Hockberg. I failed you. <laughs> I gotta name that class. So you got jellyfish, not not fish, nor are they made of jelly. They look like jelly. Uh, and I also wrote worms. Worms is such a broad term. There's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of worms. so many. There's flat worms and there's round worms and there's those the the worms that shoot that weird thing out of their nose, which is awesome. Uh, there's worms with eyeballs. There's worms that actually have decent eyeballs, like you and I have eyeballs. And then there's worms with arms, without arms, with a, um, a digestive system that goes all the way through when they poo. And there's ones where um, they only have the one stomach and the one mouth, and they <laughs> eat and poop through the same mouth, which doesn't sound fun. Uh, I think flatworms are in that, that group. But worms, so different. They're all, there's so many different kinds of worms. You should do your own worm research. So uh, besides worms, jellyfish, sponges, we got, I wrote arthropods, which is once again a big general term. Because you got things like crabs and lobsters, and you have things uh, like all the kinds of bugs. Uh, there's also uh, things like uh, the tardigrades and the velvet worms. They're pretty weird. Um, but those are the hard-shelled. Arthro means um, uh, a uh, joint, you know, like arthritis. And then pod means foot. So it's a jointed, jointed foot. foot. Uh, and then you have things like echinoderms, uh, which means thick skin, as far as I remember. So that's your starfish, that's yeah. your... Uh, Spiny uh, sea urchins, go, brittle, stars, brittle stars, and, uh, sand dollars. Sand dollars. Yep. And so those are more closely related to us than they are related to things like bugs, which is really weird. So a starfish is closer to us than like a lobster is to us. Hmm. I wouldn't have guessed that. Mm. That's interesting. Because that's when we talk about um, prostoma and deuterostoma. They're deuterostomes like us. Which means uh, sperm and egg come together and they get that first ball of cells. They divide a bunch it, of times, they go to four, then there's eight cells, then there's 16 cells. Eventually this ball is called the blastula. The ball of cells starts to kind of fold in on itself and make pretty much a donut shape. And that's that hole through the middle is what eventually becomes the, uh, the intestines, the, your, uh, your gastric system. When that initial um, indent starts in the ball of cells, it's either your mouth or your anus. And things uh, that are like mollusks and insects and your crabs and stuff like that and worms, they all go mouth first. And they're called uh, protostomes. Whereas we which mouth first. are deuterostomes, deuterostomes which meaning means... mouth second. Because which... what would be the other word for it? Because it would be like, because we didn't want to call ourselves ass first. So we call <laughs> ourselves mouth, mouth second. Deuterostome which... sounds better than proto-anuses. Proto <laughs> Could be a good t-shirt. We should... Catches on because we'd have to. We we can't say anuses. We'd have to come up with the Latin word for it. Because like stoma, stoma means mouth. So whatever the Latin word for for uh, a butt is, 
Latin we should word pro pro butts for butt. <laughs> That's a good Google search. Said. 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 So pro pro said. Protoseds. Protosed. I like. Yeah, it doesn't sound too bad. I don't know why they don't say that. Who doesn't want to be butt first? You know. <laughs> <laughs> so echinoderms so <laughs> and the thing we didn't say yet, chordates are um, those um, butt firsts, uh, which is us. So we're chordates. We're in the group of chordates. So chordates are all the animals that have what's called a uh, dorsohollow nerve cord or notochord. So the things that are eventually become a spine, you call a notochord. It's like a very basic spinal cord. So the other things that chordates have are um, things called pharyngeal gill slits. So the things that will eventually become gills but do have a place in our embryonic development. Um, and then an endostyle and a post-anal tail. So that means the tail goes beyond the butt. So a lot of this is about butt definitions. Things like us, uh, we usually have a tail. Like we have a, um, a tailbone because we don't have tails anymore. But almost all the things that we're related to have tails. They're very popular. Tails were all the rage. Tails were all the rage. Yeah. They're great for swimming. So you have to have something to propel you further. And so this notochord, you have something. Um, it's, it's dense connective tissue, whatever it may be. It's stiff. Running down the middle. You have to have something stiff to keep you streamlined in the water. For muscles so, to attach to. Yeah, you also need mm -hmm. something for muscles to attach to. And of course in us, in things that are vertebrates that have a vertebral column, you get bones that form around it. And then all of your super highway, super highway, uh, Spinal cord nerve cells all run down that uh, notochord. So within uh, the group called notochords, which is a phylum, uh, you have the subphylum, which is vertebrata, vertebrates. That's us. This is everything, basically everything you think of. If you're thinking of an animal, I can almost guarantee you it's a vertebrate. Because we're pretty, uh, we're pretty vertebrate-centric in the way we think about and talk about life. Consider everything else we talked about before this and everything else on that level and further down is not a vertebrate. There's so much life out there that is not in the same group as us. But it's worthwhile working from domain to us. It's good to know where you lay it, where you are in this whole weird web web of life. For sure. So that was phylum. Going one level down, getting to class. Next floor, class. This is where you get your class. We're gonna get some class. Gonna get some class yeah, today. Gotta get it somewhere. Five, six, seven. So I got seven. There's seven classes of vertebrates. We had some jawless fish. Cartilaginous fish, which means they're made of cartilage. The bony fish, amphibians, birds, reptiles, and us, the mammals. Mammals. Bum, 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 bum. Super cuddly and warm and awesome. Let's talk about what a mammal is not. Okay, so for class, uh, we had the fish, amphibians, reptiles, and birds. So uh, reptiles are um, what eventually reptiles uh, proliferated and became dinosaurs, and dinosaurs eventually became birds, and reptiles also eventually became mammals. So we are ultimately from reptiles. Uh, the same way that reptiles came from amphibians and amphibians came from fish. So the three kinds of fish uh, were the jawless fish, and that was like lancets and- Lampreys. Lampreys, yeah. Big old suctioners, but no open closed jaws. Mm-hmm. Which is a big, a big development. If you can put on some force, actually take a bite out of take something, out that of is crime. that is a big, uh, a big evolutionary step for sure. To go from jawless to jawed fishes. Then you have your cartilaginous fish, which are sharks and rays, mm -hmm. and they are the coolest, weirdest fish in my opinion. And uh, they're very ancient. Sharks have been around for a very long, long time. time. Incredibly successful body plan. Incredibly mm -hmm. successful life plan. But then you have things with bones, the bony fish. So go fishing with your dad on a Sunday afternoon. That's probably what you're catching. You're catching uh, Magikarp that uh, <laughs> will turn into nothing until it's a Gyarados and it'll blow the shit out of you. And then you have your amphibians. <laughs> that's all we're going to say about bony that's fishes. That's fish. That's enough. Just keep you're them Pokemon. That's the thing. It's fine. You're, you are familiar with bony fishes. The guy, I'm pretty sure it was um, the biologist named Fisher, famously said there is no such thing as a fish. Because their zoologists can look at everything that you call a fish, and there's no one trait that defines a fish. Hmm. There are so many different kinds of fish, and they go off in so many different directions and ways. Because if you look at something like a hagfish, it looks like a giant worm with a crazy sucker vampire face, and that's so different from like a seahorse, and it's so different from like 
um, a, uh, a, a shark or a tuna because they've been around Long like the, the whole time. The whole time. Yeah. Keep, keep changing. They keep were they were around right after the Cambrian uh, explosion, and they've been doing very well ever since. And you have things like amphibians. Uh, there's that weird amphibian. I don't remember what it's called, but it looks like a snake. Basically, think of a long, thick, um, phallic-shaped salamander with Without no arms. Legs. Yeah, that's just, it. They're very strange. Wiggles. And then you have things like you know your, your, frogs your frogs and your toads, salamanders and newts. They all um, do external fertilization. The reason that they're not very good with like um, island nations, because if you look at things like Hawaii in uh, in uh, of Ecuador, um, the Galapagos, mm-hmm. and those famous islands, there's no natural amphibians there. I mean, there are invasive species now in Hawaii and stuff, but the thing is that a lot of animals will raft. Mm-hmm. So the the reason that they think that things like giant tortoises and stuff ended up on islands is because they floated out to sea on storms floating on things. And so that's how they get out there. But uh, amphibians can't do that because amphibians breathe through their skin. So they so you dry put, out. Yeah, there's no, there are no saltwater amphibians to my knowledge. And they don't, they don't do well in salt. And even if they live in a saltwater environment, if they lay their eggs in salt, the eggs don't do well. So there's a reason that amphibians never really island hopped the same way other animals do. And, uh, and that's just uh, a bummer for them, but oh well. And then you have reptiles, stereotypically lizards. You have your lizards, your snakes, but then you have things like alligators and crocodiles and tortoises, and tortoises. And turtles, which are different than tortoises. And then you have birds, things with feathers. Also, we could do a whole podcast on birds, and I would actually really like to do that. I agree. You walk up to the man on the street and say, what is a mammal? I guarantee you, they don't know. Most, like 90% of people probably couldn't really tell you because uh, most people don't care is the thing. is it's not, it's not a priority for anyone. I would say... It's pedantic. But I would say a decent number of people have been taught. So if someone were to have an answer for you, they'd say, oh, mammals are the things with hair, they're warm-blooded, and they give live birth. And they probably, you know, they have milk. Those are kind of the four things where I think of, like, what I was taught of what a mammal was. That's basically it. Um, so there's a little bit, always caveats, always exceptions. So the live birth bit is a little weird. I have good trivia. Hit I learned some it, trivia. I learned it on uh, QI, quite interesting. Good show. I love that show. And uh, their question was, what animal has the greatest number of nipples? <laughs> what animal there is, an, there is an, an answer. So first of all, there are, there are mammals that don't have any nipples, which is weird. Uh, and then there are the classic two nipples, which we probably prefer. Most likely. Pretty popular. And then there are things like, you know, if you think of like... Uh, cats, dogs. Cats, dogs, cows, sheep, whatever. Normal animals. They have, you know, boop, boop, boop uh, in pairs all the way down. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. Yeah, I think of them as buttons. I like to press them. <laughs> I don't. But there's an animal that had 29... Odd 29. Number, odd odd number. weird. 29 nipples... And like that, a single animal, or is this yes, a species? This is one animal. animal. One, one animal. animal. Well, I mean, it's a species. All of the females oh, wow. of that species have that. That wonderful title goes to the Tenerek. The Tenerek. It's a weird animal. It's a thing that lives on Madagascar, and it looks like a hedgehog. Huh. Uh, so they have, they're very small. They have a long snout, and they're insectivores, and they have spiky backs. So they look a lot like a hedgehog. And uh, they're, uh, they're on the, um, planet, the planet Earth, um, BBC Planet Earth. They do talk about Tenerex. That's where I first learned about them. And they, uh, they do this weird thing where there's a bunch of different kinds. There's a bunch of um, subspecies. But on their back, they have uh, quills that actually rub together and make a noise. Huh. So they don't yell. But when they do want to signal each other, they'll rub their quills together and make a weird like noise. Like a grasshopper does. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're wow. a cute. They're an adorable little animal that looks like a hedgehog with 29 nipples. 29 nipples. That's almost 30. Yep. That's a lot and of nipples. And their litters aren't that big. Huh. Their litters are like five or six, I think. Even if it was ten, that's still too many. <laughs> too many nipples. More than, more than you need. More nipples than any single animal needs. So kangaroos, uh, their nipples are actually in their pouch because uh, that's where the, um, the babies are to feed. So marsupials do uh, not give birth to a fully formed animal. So uh, this little thing, it's practically still a fetus. Like uh, It's like the size of like the head of an eraser will climb out of a kangaroo's vagina and will actually climb up the hair and then all the way up into the pouch and then down into the pouch. There is very graphic footage that you should Google right now and look at that. Um, baby pause, kangaroos. Pause, pause, yeah. pause, pause, pause. 
and look in horror. Uh, once again, I'm pretty sure that was on uh, planet Earth. Uh, so oftentimes, they will have a fully um, formed Joey that's, whatever, several months old, but then they will also have a little baby Joey that's a few days old, and they will can go up to the same nipple, and depending on how hard the suction is, different levels of milk different will come out. compositions yeah. of milk with mm -hmm. different proteins and different yep. hormones will come out. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's amazing. It's really weird. That is nuts. And it's gross. And it's very different than the way we do it. Yeah. Very different than we, the way we do it. So that's classes. Going down another level. Next floor. Next floor, kind of. Ding. The subclasses. So oh, you want to talk about subclasses? Just in that. So there are... So Peter is a splitter, folks. <laughs> we learned a new word today. Only when the split is interesting. And I think this split is interesting. Okay. So we've talked a little bit about live birth, right? So us. And then there's the marsupials, which is live birth, but it's not quite the way we do it. And then there's the monotremes, which are the super weirdos. So this is your platypus and your echidnas. So they lay eggs, but they're still mammals. So it, it is a weird, a weird gray zone. Can I say what an echidna is? Yes. So an echidna, once again, a weird thing that kind of looks like a hedgehog. It comes up a lot. It's small, spiky, has a snout. It eats insects and stuff. Lays eggs. And it's also what Knuckles from Sonic the Hedgehog is. He's an echidna. Oh, yep. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Nice. So like you're saying, the subclasses, one subclass is monotremes, uh, which are the egg-laying ones. And they're, they're the only class uh, in that uh, subclass. And then there's marsupials, which are things that, uh, that have pouches. And there were seven different ones. They're all... Um, really funny Latin names, so I'm not going to say them. Um, but there's seven different marsupial classes. And uh, can you name some? We got kangaroos. You get um, wombat is my spirit animal. I like wombat. It's your spirit yeah. animal? Why is wombat, it your spirit animal? Wombat day is on my birthday, and oh, I really like really? wombats. Did you yeah. like wombats before you I did. knew that? I liked them before, but that, so but that sealed yeah. the deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So possums, possums mm -hmm. are the North American marsupials, for sure. Um, so things like that. You get the picture. Um, but the live birth, live birth mammals can then be subdivided down into the level of order. So the order that we are in, unless you have anything else to say, uh, is the primates. So now we're really getting to like, all right, this is, this is really so starting to be our group here. Um, so the other orders within mammals There's are things track. like bats, they're things like rodents. Cetaceans, which is a word that I like. I actually don't remember what it means. It's but whales, those are whales and dolphins. dolphins. The ones that people often confuse as fish. They're totally not fish. Bats. The interesting thing about bats is if you count up all of the species of mammals, half of them are bats. Uh, because bats... Half, half of them are bats. Yeah. Ridiculous. There are so many bats. There's so many species. Because once you go into the air, once you start flying, you're, you're pretty set. Like, you can... Take over that huge, huge niche that has not been conquered basically by the rest of your whole order and and go to town. You can go nuts eating bugs, because bats are around, everywhere. being awesome. They're super successful. Because mm -hmm. there's bats around here. And we're, we're in an area that's fairly cold and we still got bats around here. There's bats in Mexico, like those thousands and thousands and thousands of bats flying out of caves, which are some pretty awesome videos. Then you have giant bats like fox bats. There's bats in Australia, bats in, um, you know, like East Asia, there's bats in India. All over. Everywhere. Everywhere except Antarctica. There's bats around somewhere doing stuff. I wonder, I don't know how far up they go. I wonder if they're like in, uh, like Canada or Russia. We can look for some yeah. distribution maps or something. Mm -hmm. But anyway, there's a lot of them. And then um, some other ones, because we can talk about like elephants and rhinos, and then there's like uh, aardvarks and tapers. And anyway, we're going to talk about even-toed undulates and odd-toed undulates. So odd-toed undulants are like horses, and now uh, that's really rhinoceros. Yeah, not horses. Big, not big on we've horses. talked a bit. We've talked a bit yeah. about horses in terms of comparative anatomy. Check out, listen to our, our anatomy oh, yeah. episodes. The horses around, are flipping you off right now. Running around on their fingertips. But then you've got your even-toed undulants, which are basically every animal we've domesticated. It's the pig. It's uh, the cow. It's the goat. goat. So these are all the delicious ones. The delicious. So ones. so even-toed undulants, for whatever reason. Uh, have lent themselves to domestication in a big way. They were also in the right place at the right time to be domesticated. So there are a lot of even-toed ungulates in southern Europe at the time when we came out of Africa at the right time to be to in be the Fertile ours. Crescent. Yeah. They're hanging around. 
goats just begging to be domesticated. They're like, feed me. It's like, okay, goat. <laughs> okay, goat, you can hang around. Goat, don't don't eat that. That's not Tin what I... cans and Tin boots. Cans. <laughs> Whatever they had. I love goats. Goats are cool. So that's it for orders. Let's talk about primates. So primate is our order. It's a fighting type Pokemon. It evolved from a mankey. And uh, it's like a big ball, like a triple. It's a ball um, with a big pig nose. And uh, it beats the shit out of everyone. It was uh, pretty good. Like low kick. Low kick is a good good move. I use it a lot. Uh, Mega punch is always good. I think you have to teach a Mega punch. That's a, that's a TM. Uh, not much for a talker. For as far as something that looked just like a human. Uh, but it, is, it was good. It was good at punching. Real good at punching. It's just a big old ball of puncherooney. It'll punch so fast, and then there's like there's a smoke screen and like a dust that get kicked up because it's going so fast, and then it's just like it's a flurry of fists, just going going every which away, and uh, you don't you don't want to be close to him because I'm pretty sure he's really short, but uh, I think he'd be easy to stay out of his his wingspan. Are you still talking about? Uh, are you talking about? Um, was it Hitmon Hitmon Top, Hitmon Hitmon no. Chan, Hitmon Lee? All those fighting types. All yeah, those fighting are the good ones. Months. So what do you want to say about primates? What makes a primate? Things with uh, opposable fingers. That's really it. You get thumbs. Thumbs are a big one. There are some things that have thumbs that aren't primates, like a, a panda is a very good example. There was a good paper called the panda's Koala thumb. Bears. Koala bears have, have two, two thumbs, thumbs and then three fingers, which is a thing you should Google because it's really weird looking. And uh, they look all cute. Koalas look cute. You know, when people are holding them, when they, you know. They, they're deadly. Yeah, they're evil. Um, but you know when people, your friends on Facebook, they'll go to Australia and they'll, that's like the only thing they do is have a picture taken with a koala and they look real cute. But uh, if you ever see one live, you you could Google them fighting each other or just Google what their hands look like. They are creepy, creepy little things. Those being marsupials, they have, uh, they have pouches, um, but they got thumbs, which is cool. Uh, but primates, definitely all of thumbs. They're like your hand. You look at your hand, they all kind of look like that, all primates. Well-developed, opposable hands mm-hmm. and feet. Um, and so we've got also have forward-facing eyes, so which gives us really good stereoscopic vision. Which so means they're predators. See, we've got good depth perception. We can see forward. Mm-hmm. So my wrestling coach had a, because uh, he was my biology teacher in high school, he had a shirt that said something like, um, eyes forward, motherfucker. Yeah, it's, 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 it said something like, uh, "Prey animals have eyes on the sides of their head, and um, and predators have eyes facing front." And then at the back of the shirt says, "My eyes face front," or nice. f- front, vice versa, mm-hmm. whatever. But it was it was basically that. I almost nice. thought it was cool. And he was a huge, huge, very strong man. <laughs> so it was his eyes were so very facing forward. <laughs> Order primates, going down a level. Uh, we go to family. You want to talk about your favorites? Favorite primate. So my favorite primate is is definitely the orangutan. Nice. I like the big plates, faces. I like orange. Orange is a good color. They got crazy long arms. They're relative. They don't mess things up too much. They're not too aggressive. Though I'm sure there's got to be cases of it. But they're just they're just a a cool different primate. Everybody goes to chimp. Everybody goes to gorilla. Then whatever the monkey. I like the orangutan. I heard a good story from uh, from someone who worked at a zoo. They said that if you gave like a chimpanzee, uh, mm-hmm. a screwdriver. Uh-huh. They'll use it as a tool. Like they'll they'll like hack away at um, trees or whatever, and like they'll use it for stuff. But they will never use it to unscrew things. Sure. It won't cross their mind. But if you give an orangutan a screwdriver, they will unscrew everything. Oh yeah. And there have been cases of of um, orangutans getting tools in uh, in their their enclosures and like unscrewing all of the <laughs> the screws in their enclosures. And, like, I don't know if it's, like, they're trying to get out, but they do usually eventually get out because <laughs> they're, like, taking down the walls and the doors and stuff. So for orangutans, also in um, Planet Earth, the BBC's Planet Earth, there's a great bit where they, they're looking at an orangutan. And there's an, a wild orangutan that lives near this village. And uh, the people, the villagers, will um, they will wash themselves uh, next to the river. So they have soap in a bucket, like, on the dock. And like people will like wash off, uh-huh. and so the the orangutan watched people do this, and then started doing it. Doing it. It, it walked over to the dock. Starts. It picks up some soap, and then it washes itself <laughs> up, and it's washing itself in the river, which is awesome. That is so awesome. There's Can also we watch that, please. We should watch that. Yeah, because it was it's it's David Attenborough sitting next to it. It is a wild <laughs> orangutan. David Attenborough is just talking about yes. it. It's like this orangutan is wild, and I'm just 
chilling out next to it. It's washing itself. It seems fine. And there was another oh, one. Oh, David. There was another instance of, once again, a wild orangutan, um, watching people um, hunt with uh, with spears, and it actually stole some spears and was like fishing with them. It was trying to stab fish wow. in the river. And there's there's good pictures of orangutans uh, like throwing spears and stuff. It's pretty cool. So what's your favorite? Out of all what, of them? What orangutan? is your favorite primate? Orangutan? orangutan? Pretty awesome. We're on Team Orangutan? But, but um, no, just to be different. Um, I like we no. We should be on Team Orangutan. We yeah. should have like orangutan. I gotta say Loris though. I gotta oh, say Loris. Loris is yeah. pretty cool. So the Loris uh, was based off of a Loris, uh, which is a small primate. They have huge eyes because they're nocturnal, and they uh, they'll eat usually like insects and fruit and stuff. And the Loris uh, has the distinction of the only primate that is poisonous. Which I think is awesome. And, Weird uh, thing for a primate to be, as not. I think you'd have to go further back to get to poisonous, but mm -hmm. they are. So my understanding of it. I always thought they had um, spiky elbows. I always thought they had like a spike, because that's what I'm um, going all the way back to um, monotremes, like platypus. A platypus has spikes on its back legs, and platypus platypuses can stab and poison you on purpose which is crazy yeah um but that's how i thought it was with the lorises um but they have a gland on the inside of their elbows so uh they they have this gland that will start secreting this uh this toxic stuff and when they're in danger they will actually start rubbing their elbows up on their heads and uh basically trying to make their head taste bad is pretty much it and Don't it, eat it's me, a I'm weird, poisonous. Yeah, it is a weird uh, thing no. for a primate to have and do, and it's just a very odd behavior, but I think it's really cool. But the loris, the same thing, the tarsiers, the loris, the bush babies, all those things are uh, very commonly uh, traded on uh, the uh, exotic uh, pet trade because they're weird and cool looking. The way you may have seen a loris is in these viral videos that go around where people scare a loris and then it puts its arms up like, oh God, I'm terrified. Those are captive loris that they have removed the gland. And so it does that kind of cute looking elbow thing, but it's trying to cover its head with poison so it can kill you. <laughs> so it's not adorable. It's both mean to do to the thing and it's trying to kill, it's trying to be poisonous. So you've definitely seen that viral video. If not, if you look up uh, uh, Loris being adorable, I, I can guarantee you, maybe we'll put a, put a note in the show notes. We can talk about lemurs. There's a lot of kinds of lemurs. Uh, they're all in Madagascar as the only place where there are still lemurs. Uh, I watched Zabumafu as a kid. A Did lot. you watch it? Yeah. Yeah, the Kratz brothers, Kratz creatures, and Zabumafu. Zabumafu died. The lemur that was Zabumafu died uh, like a year or two that. ago. Mm -hmm. R.I.P. R.I.P. Zabumafu. So if you're unfamiliar, uh, this was part of our childhood. It was a television show that was about animals. I assume it was a Saturday morning uh, show. And uh, they, had, they would show a real lemur running around. But then they would show the lemur like jump into a building. And all of a sudden it was a puppet. And so there was a <laughs> lemur puppet that spoke English and talked to these two guys. Uh, and it was an animal show. And it was a pretty good show. They kind of look like um, uh, like raccoons because they have the black the black around their eyes. And a lot of times they'll have a um, black and white striped tail. Their tails are very long. And they jump. That's their thing is they jump. I saw, I saw a cool video online of, uh, for whatever reason, someone had one in their house. It was a nice house. So like, it was weird that they had one. But it would actually jump across the walls. It was wall jumping. Huh. Wall, wall, wall down a hallway, which is pretty awesome. But the thing is... The more human-like the animals are, the worse pets they tend to be. Because <laughs> they usually get smarter, and smarter animals tend to be awful, awful, awful pets. We've talked about this with cats being mm -hmm. apex predators that you keep in the house. Yeah. But also, I would like to add, the closer we get to being human, the more nitpicky we get with subdivisions. You know, the, the closer we are to us, the more we start caring. And the more people start saying, ah, well, that's not quite, oh, we're not monkeys, I'm not a monkey, and I ain't derived from no monkey man. Um, so there's I think that's definitely, a separate issue. <laughs> this is definitely a separate issue. But, I mean, there, there is a lot more work done in close primates uh, than there is on other families in other orders. Because uh, it's us, we're anthrocentric. Yeah, the more you learn about primates, the more you'll learn about our physiology, our history, you might find new kinds of drugs or something that works on uh, something similar and especially like animal testing there used to be tons of animal testing on you know monkeys and chimps and stuff i'd say there's probably less now but there's still a ton uh, and it's because they're good models 
they're a good way to tell. Like if you give a chimp it's close to us, brain damage, closer than a mouse. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna to tell you more than if you do it to a to a, a mouse. But then people care more. People get more empathetic because the they're same smarter. Because they're smarter. Yeah, they're closer to us. It's mm. more like hurting a real person. So then another another big group in here is the simians. So simians include the new world monkeys, the old world monkeys, and the apes. So whenever you hear people talk about whether it's birds, whether it's reptiles, whether it's animals, whether it's chocolate, doesn't really matter. New world versus old world is Africa and Europe versus, well, and I guess in Asia, Asia um, versus North and South America. Monkeys that are in Africa versus monkeys in South America. And so in the scale of geologic time, you can see them nestled together, Africa and South America. They used to be close. They broke off. And so the things used to inhabit one big landmass, and then the landmass split and went very, very far away from each other, isolated. And so you get very, very different forms that had a common ancestor way, way long ago without having had to have migrated there. Um, so you see this in all sorts of things, in birds, um, but in this case we're talking about in primates. So you have the New World monkeys and the Old World monkeys. And then there's the apes. Stereotypically, there are of course exceptions to this, apes have a small or very little tail. Uh, they have larger size, generally apes are bigger than what we talk about as being monkeys. And they have a really free shoulder joint. Swing, swing a baseball, bat. Uh, or swing from a tree, uh, and you got monkey those nice... The monkey bars. Being able to do the monkey bars. I'm doing it right now. It's an ape thing. You can't you can't see it, but I'm totally doing it. I'm holding my arms up. If you take both your hands and bring them up over your head and try to touch the ceiling, that's called brachiation. And that is what it, your shoulders are allowing your arms to do. Is your, your shoulders have that free range of motion where you can bring your hands up over your head. And not a lot of things can do that. So when you, when you get that stereotypical... Um, uh, like monkeys on a monkey bar with their arms swinging over their heads, that's brachiated shoulders. And uh, the things that are really, really good at that are gibbons. And gibbons are not monkeys, they are the lesser apes. And gibbons are really exceptionally good at swinging around in trees really quickly. And I've seen lots of videos in gibbons at uh, zoos and stuff where they'll like do basically drive-bys where they're 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 swinging you know up through through the trees and then they'll just smack something on the back of the head Whoa. and they'll just run for it because I've seen stuff like they're hitting like jaguars and stuff just for for giggles and they'll just they just want to like they do it because uh, I remember I had a, a teacher in high school who used to work at uh, at a zoo and he told me when he was ever he was cleaning the uh, the gibbon enclosure like he'd be like sweeping up on the floor or something and they'll do that they'll still run Swim up by behind him smack and they'll smack on the back of the head and they'll run away but they're <laughs> hanging from the ceiling the whole time wow that's awesome that is awesome so gibbons are the lesser apes the greater apes are what you would probably think of as an ape so that's your gorillas your chimpanzees your people uh, these are our, our big big not so monkey monkeys one of the big things was uh they think that monkeys um island hopped because back during an ice age when the uh when all the oceans were lower there were actually uh, a string of islands between uh, africa and south america and uh, especially when the the water is very low. They're very easy to see. There was volcanic string. Same way like Hawaii is a volcanic string. Same thing. There are these islands that are basically form a bridge. And they think that over millions of years that monkeys uh, made island, their way over. Island hopped and eventually huh. made it to South America. So we talked about New World monkeys, Old World monkeys. Uh, New World monkeys, stereotypically capuchin monkeys. Um, macaques. Macaques. Baboons. Oh, baboons. baboons. Yeah, baboons. The, I would They're say nasty. the king of the Old World monkeys. They're very smart, they're very fast, they're very, very big. Strong. They don't have a tail, which is a, an exception of a monkey, uh, but they literally mug people. Like, like <laughs> there are people who are like going home with their groceries, and then a bunch of baboons will come and basically scare the crap out of you. You'll drop your groceries and run, and then they get your groceries. That's too bad. Big they break into mugged. people's houses. Whoa. They hurt people. They'll bite you, and uh, they're super smart. I would, I'm glad we don't live... Anywhere where there's monkeys at all, but especially not baboons. So I need to mention here, uh, one of my father's favorite animals is the mandrill, which is the largest baboon in the planet. And uh, yeah, I just gotta gotta mention it. They're the ones with the big flashy butts. They do have big flashy butts. That's of, true. That was I was reading that on Wikipedia. That's one of the big differences between old world monkeys and new world monkeys. Is the old world monkeys are the ones that have. The uh, flashy butts. The engorged butts. <laughs> and uh, New World monkeys don't do that. New World monkey would be like a spider monkey. 
So they're they're much smaller. Howler monkeys. Down a level to genus. What's our genus? So our genus is In, homo. Insert giggle. <laughs> so we are in uh, genus Homo. So this, of course, includes humans. Humans, we've been working our way down through our own lineage. But there's also other extinct versions of, uh, of Homo. So you talk about Homo habilis, Homo uh, neanderthalis, Homo devonians. So there are other Homos out there. They're all dead, though. They're all pretty dead. We're there the, la the last bunch. ones around, around. Arguably, we killed off a bunch of them, or they just couldn't keep up with changing temperatures or whatever. We'll talk about... A little uh, bit of inbreeding. Definitely inbreeding. At least, roughly, 2% of your genetic information is from a Neanderthal. I if you're an average... Depends on where you're yeah, from. If you're, you're a white from. guy. Yeah, if you're a white, white guy, person. it's about two. Yeah. Um, if you are Asian, Asian is the closer Devonians. to Mongolia, Devonians, it's a bigger distribution. And there is an unnamed third one. Hmm. There, because there's when they look at DNA, the same way they can tell that a portion of it is Neanderthal. Like if they looked at your DNA, there are groups of people where they can see that there is this uh, foreign DNA. But it's not something that we know what it is. You can't so identify there, it. So yeah. there's no fossil record for mm -hmm. it, but we can find it molecularly. Yep. Interesting. They're dead now, but yeah. But the same as like Neanderthal or the Devonians. There's a group of people. Something else in our yeah. genus. Mm -hmm. Oh, the word homo. The word homo means same. Uh, so that it's just saying that things things that once you get down to this level, you're pretty much close to human. So we're just going to call it the same as human is essentially what homo means. Unlike the word hetero, which means different. So for genus, we got the genus Pongo, which is orangutan. So orangutan means a uh, man of the forest uh, because they look like weirdo people running around in the woods, <laughs> apparently. Then you have the big charismatic gorilla, uh, which there's the Western gorilla, the Eastern gorilla. They only live in Africa. They are huge, pretty aggressive, pretty territorial, very strong, um, and uh, dying, dying off. We're killing a good number of them. So they are their own um, their own genus alongside Homo, alongside uh, Pongo, which is the orangutans. And then, of course, everybody's favorite, the chimpanzee, which uh, is so often talked about as being our closest relative uh, in genetically, uh, intellectually, whatever it may be. But similar to chimps, we have the bonobos, which so chimps make a lot of war. Bonobos make a lot of love. That's really just they're. When they're first found, they're called uh, what? Small chimps. The smaller. Yeah, they call them the pygmy chimp. Pygmy chimp. There so they you go. were originally classified as a subspecies of chimp because they look an awful lot like a chimp, but they're a little smaller. Uh, so they just call them pygmy chimps. And over the years, um, primatologists have uh, kind of pulled bonobos out away from chimps. So if you think about uh, chimps and uh, humans being very, very close, and if you you could have thought of uh, a bonobo as a subspecies of chimp. But in reality, it's more like a triangle. So that humans, chimps, and bonobos all equally have a uh, common ancestor that uh, they, we all kind of left at the same time and have been branching out in three different directions. So people often refer to um, bonobos when they're talking about what, human, what the human condition could be. Because when you look at chimps, they're pretty mean. They, uh, they fight each other, they kill each other, they war. They rape. They do a lot of stuff like that. But when you look at bonobos, they really are like a hippy-dippy, uh, peace-not-war uh, kind of group. They hang out. They have a lot of sex with all sorts of different partners. Male, female, 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 male, male. Lots of gay sex. Lots of gay sex. Yeah. They just they pump that dopamine, man. Just keep everybody happy. Uh, and you have less fights, less... Uh, it's just different ways to keep... Because we are small group animals. Right, so we're in the order of 10 to 20 animals in a troop, whatever it may be. So you can keep that group committed and together by fighting another group or by loving each other. So it's just different strategies. So you can argue that we've got elements of both in humanity, but we like our war for sure. Yeah, for the stuff I've read with bonobos, when they're in uh, like uh, zoo enclosures, usually right before feeding time is when they do it a lot. So they'll all do it, and it's basically so they'll be less likely to fight over the food uh, because they just got laid, laid pretty much. And uh, there's also a lot of uh, oral sex, which I didn't think was a thing that non-humans did, <laughs> but they totally do, which is weird. And if we want to throw this in here, they have baculums. Like even chimps, chimps have baculums, bonobos have baculums, which is the penis bone. Humans don't. 
which is back up weird. Back up. Penis bone. You should explain what a baculum so, is, what a penis bone is. So we're going to go with a baculum. A baculum is a bone that's in a penis. Most mammals have it. Like, the norm is that there's penises and uh, bones and penises. But human beings, uh, the, I don't actually, I don't know any other uh, exceptions, but human beings are a very important exception because they're us, <laughs> uh, do not have a bone in their penis. And uh, that's very strange. And things like chimps and bonobos do have that, and they're our closest living relatives. So we lost it uh, between uh, them and us, or our common ancestor had it, and uh, we lost it. Insert boner joke here. So you got your species, Homo sapien, but then you always hear people talk about Homo sapien sapien, which I never really got. So basically, there we are a subspecies of Homo sapien. So there's another subspecies of Homo sapien called Homo sapien idaltu. So they lived in the Pleistocene Africa about 160,000 years ago. So very much like us, in very similar places as us, but different than us. So that's it, Homo sapiens sapiens. That's you, that's me, that's everyone you've ever known. That's Genghis Khan, that's Alexander the Great, that's uh, your great-grandma. Um, Another fun fact, uh, all human beings are something like 63rd cousins with each other. Like, like you know, like second cousin, third yeah, cousin, well, fourth cousin, 63rd cousin. Uh, and uh, that's as far out as it goes. So uh, in the grand scheme of things, pretty close. Uh, very inbred. Yeah. Like, if, like the concept of a species is just like a very inbred group of animals that won't that can't breed with other groups of animals which is really weird. So something I want to add is biologists and scientists for a pretty good period of time subdivided the races as subspecies. So if you're African versus European, if you're Asian versus um, you know uh, Aborigine Australian, you were a different type of human. You were not the same species. So. Using pseudoscience to, uh, to divvy up the races. The, uh, the term Caucasian, uh, do you know what that comes from? I don't know what so Caucasian comes from. That is from those times uh, back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, where uh, there was this guy, I don't remember his name because he was kind of an asshole. Uh, he thought that white people originally came from the Caucasus Mountains, and the Caucasus Mountains are in like the Balkans. Huh. So uh, they're like, Kind of close to uh, to uh, the Middle East, but it's more you know a little north of Greece, like where Albania is and stuff. Uh, that there, that's where the Caucasus Mountains were. He thought that white that white people came from the Caucasus Mountains, so we call them Caucasians, and huh. that's why we still use that word today, even though that's just weird pseudoscience. And we definitely didn't come from the Caucasus Mountains, and he pretty much just made it up, <laughs> which is weird. But uh, wow. but it's uh, culturally it's stuck. Right? It's just a weird uh, artifact that we still use. Um, so now it's pretty widely accepted uh, that human taxonomy really is an inner, interconnected genetic continuum. You know, we're all kind of close. We can all still interbreed, but we're all definitely the same species, well, especially when you talk about globalization. Now we're breaking all of those geologic, uh, geographic barriers. We can, um, we can mate all over the place. Um, but the theories of human evolution and human taxonomy are always changing as all of this uh, this is definitely a snapshot in time of our understanding of what it means to be human, what it means to live on our planet, to be an animal, to be a eukaryote, to be a living thing, to exist on this little rock in a vast, 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 huge universe. I think it has value to know where you stand. We've talked about the domains, the four major domains, and worked our way all the way down through all those, uh, the domain, kingdom, phylum, class, family, order, genus, species, did I get that in the right yeah, order? That was good. Yeah, nice. All the way down to the species, even the subspecies of Homo sapiens sapien. Now you know where you, where you are in the chain. Uh, so, Craig, what's your TLDR? What's your, your takeaway for the day? The, the classifications, very helpful and, in my opinion, interesting, uh, even though they're uh, it's pretty nerdy and technical. But uh, the technically correct is the best kind of correct, of course. <laughs> uh, but it's... It's they're human constructs, and uh, as people uh, do more genetic research, which is stuff we couldn't do five, ten years ago, they're gonna really understand uh, genetically how things are uh, stuck together, and it, it's gonna be less political. There's always gonna be people arguing about it, but it's going to be harder, harder numbers, more less objective. Subjective. Yeah, so we're gonna have in the future always 
as we go forward a better picture of how things are related to each other. But it's still a human endeavor, and it's a human construct. So in the end, it's not all that important. Pretty arbitrary. Yeah. But it is cool to know the big picture of things and, uh, and how they all fit together because it, it helps you have a better idea of uh, your reality. In the same vein, I would say my TLDR, my uh, my takeaway is definitely that there's a huge amount of life that is not like you. You know, we talk a lot about the things that are like us, about the other mammals, about the, the primates, about the vertebrates, about the other animals, uh, but there's a huge, huge, huge amount of life. That whole long convolute conversation we just had, all directions in other forms of life. So you, you're a small piece of a very, very, very big net of living things. I think that's pretty good. I think that's where we'll hold it. Special thanks to Jeff Fodges for writing our theme music. Writing and performing our theme theme song. Thank you very much, Jeff. Thank you to Dan Muse for lending us his sweet, silky baritone for the voiceovers at the beginning and end of the show. This is Brainwave Science. My name is Peter. And this is Craig. And we'll see you next time. You've been listening to Brainwave Science Radio. Follow us on iTunes so you don't miss out on the next episode. Like you wanted to do a bit. That was it. That was it? it? Yeah. That's all I got. I just wanted to say it correctly, which I didn't before. So our theme song was written and performed by Jeff Fajas. Faja. He is a Faja. Fajay. Jeffrey Fajay. Thank you, Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs>